0: Chapter 13 You two could sleep through anything, Jenner said, taking a seat beside them on the bed. Are you all right? Maven told me what happened. Erica nodded. I heard something awful last night, but I feel better now. I guess you stayed awake until I woke up, she said, motioning to Christian. Then helped me drink some tea. After I felt good enough to do it myself, he nodded off. That turned out quite nice," Jenner mentioned, pointing to Erica's hair. Her wrap had come off in the commotion, and her hair retained a large amount of the dye, blood-red in color. Thank you, Erica said. What about him? Is he all right? Jenner patted Christian on his upper back. I think so. He's just sleepy. He was up most of the night while I was sick. You know, it's a miracle you survived that. I saw plenty of men five times your size and seasoned adventurers fall to smaller scrapes than from last night. Erica just nodded, sipping her tea some more. Both her hands were wrapped in bandages. How bad's the damage? Jenner asked. Erica looked at the door for a moment, then set her tea down. She unwrapped one hand showing a mass of tender pink skin, but otherwise undamaged, no cuts or scars. He nodded, and she wrapped her hand back up. Between you and me, does the tea help at all? Erica shook her head side to side. Eh, good girl, I'm going to go help with the rest of the hold's recovery, and there should be a celebration tonight to commemorate the night's victory, Jenner said running a hand through Erica's hair as he stood up, telling them both to rest and let Maven wait on them for the rest of the day. The biggest endeavor of the day was replacing the gates. Hallen had extra doors commissioned for just such an occasion, but they were still a chore to install. They were lifted onto barrels and rolled to the city gates, where one of the watch-mageer aided in holding them steady once they were lifted upright, so that engineers could hammer the large pegs that kept the doors on swivels into place. The dead were taken out to the fields to be buried, a mass grave dug deep. Roland helped oversee, giving the one God's blessing that their souls may sleep in peace. The work was solemn, but short, the rays from the sun cleaning out the biggest blemish on the hold. Not even the stench of demon remained, so complete was the purification by the light. Around midday, there was indeed an announcement of a hold-wide celebration, the first in the hold's history. Knowing Hallen, it would be about as wild as a slow night at a tavern in Bothwell, but it was a good sign of times to come. The courtyard near Hallen's dwelling was cleared out and set up for the event the inns and bars of the hold providing the drink and food. Several forms of entertainment were provided by local talent, as well as some new songs from Haviland, composed in the time between Victory Last Night and his rise to the stage this evening, already recounting the battle in a new, more dramatic light. Jenner arrived with Erica and Christian, again dressed in the guise of protégé and servant. Erika's hair was a mess of red curls done up on the top of her head, a hairstyle provided by Maven, who thought it was a waste to let such beautiful hair just hang down her shoulders. She chose to keep her hands under wraps, with a little encouraging prod from both Jenner and Christian. Even M. Brunsway was there, who seemed to enjoy listening to stories from the Lennise Mégier who had thrown fire about with such tenacity the night before. Jenner made his way through the crowd, finding Roland and his cadre, sitting at a table with Halen, who was toasting the knights and their great achievement. "'Halen's hold owes you a great debt, I would say, Roland,' Jenner began as he approached the table. "'The gentleman speaks the truth,' Halen added. "'You've done in a single night what we were unable to do for years.' "'I am owed nothing,' Roland said." So where does the road lead you next, Sir Knight? Jenner asked. Yes, do tell. What will the great Roland do now that he has delivered our poor souls from this eternal struggle? Halen said, speaking with admiration. I am unsure this time. I may return to Balthwell, or continue on to calm The decision is not yet clear. "'Well, if I may sway your opinion one way or another,' Jenner said, taking a seat at the table, "'strange things have been happening in Calmont of late—things that could benefit from your presence.' Jenner proceeded to tell Roland and Hallen the events of the past several weeks—the attacks, the burnings, the assassination attempts, and the kidnappings—all the information Christian had told him, plus his own insights concluding with the fight with the assassin on the ride here. The only part he left out was Erica's unusual powers. Hallen looked impressed. "'You lead a dangerous life, my good sir,' Hallen said. Uh, "'Not by my own choosing. Well, not entirely. "'And you may call me Jenner,' Jenner repulsed. "'Repulsed? Was your father Franz Repulsed, the general?' Ah, my legacy precedes me. You are correct. I had the opportunity to serve with your father before I set out here, years ago. He was a good man and a greater tactician. Well, thank you, sir. The two chatted a bit about the previous night's events, while Roland sat in silence. Well, good sirs, I must retire for the evening, Helen said as he got up he looked around his courtyard at those enjoying the night-time. He lifted a hand to his ear, then smiled. All he could hear was merriment. Later that night, Jenner saw Christian and Erica back to the sunrise, then set out in the bar a bit and chatted with Maven, who was tending until arrangements were made to hire someone new. The sunrise was owned by a gentleman in Colmont. No doubt he would send replacements once word of what happened reached him. You realize all this will change, Jenner said, looking around. But for the better, Maven said, talking to the morose Jenner. You seem the one changed for the worse. Ever doubt your choices in life, Maven? Not worth the effort. I used to feel the same way. What changed? The people in it. Their conversation was in interrupted as Haviland on and the Lannese Magier from last night entered the inn. Ah, just the man I was looking for, Haviland said, walking over to Jenner, tossing an arm around the man's shoulders. You're going to Bothwell, correct? Haviland asked. That's the plan. Let me introduce Mal Zay. Mal let a little raspy chuckle escape her lips. Ofrenda if e, ofrenda e she spoke in her thick accent, offering her hand to Jenner. Jenner stood and bowed, offering her a kiss on the back of the hand, which caused the woman more mirth. Mal here is heading to Baltwell as well, and we figured since you had a carriage, it would make her trip easier. We plan on taking a few more days to rest here, seeing the new change in prospects, and Brunshwe wouldn't just let her go on her own insisting we persuade you to bring her along. "'What brings you to Bothwell, Mal?' Jenner asked. "'Bene, <laughs> she said. Jenner chuckled, wishing he had taken the time to learn Linnise when he had the chance in school. "'She's on a personal journey of discovery,' Havelin explained. "'And she told you this herself. You speak Linnise?' Jenner asked, intrigued. A touch, but mostly she told him Brunsway, and over the years I've learned a few things to pick up on his body language. Jenner regarded the woman again. She looked to be in her later years, her skin wrinkled with crow's feet apparent near both eyes. Her skin was a rich brown now that he saw her in the light. It clung to her thin frame, her billowing robes hiding her small figure. She had gray, frayed hair that was kept under control by a large wooden pin. He was caught off guard by her eyes, which were a dull blue, with a cloudy white coloring. Curious, Jenner waved his hand a few feet from her face. Her arm snapped up and grabbed his wrist. "'I'll elm," she cackled. "'She's not that blind,' Haviland clarified. "'I gathered,' Jenner said." asking the lady to let go of his hand. Figured you could use the extra help, what with all that's been going on and everything, Haviland explained. We would be delighted to have your company on our journey, Mal, Jenner said to the woman. Oh, she said. They said their good nights, and Haviland and Brunsway retired to their rooms. Mal said something about returning to her place and meeting them here in the morning as best Jenner could tell. When he retired to his room, he smiled when he saw Erica asleep on the edge of the bed, Christian asleep on the floor, a sheet rolled up under his head. Jenner walked over to his own bed and slipped in, nodding off and thinking about tomorrow. So, can she be trusted? Jenner asked Havlin in the morning over breakfast. Don't worry, Haviland said between bites of his bread. Umbrunsway is an excellent judge of character. If he thinks you're all right, then you're all right. And Umbrunsway thinks that I'm all right? Eh, Between you and me, I don't think he trusts you much further than he could throw you, but that's still quite a bit of trust coming from him. But he's taken with those two traveling with you, and trust them that they trust you. Your friend is wise beyond his years. Now, a lot of people say that about people who don't speak. But when you're around him as much as I am, you realize he's just as dumb as the rest of us. Havlin and Jenner shared a laugh. A little bit later, Erica, Christian, and even on Brunsway, who Havlin said was not prone to breakfast, joined them. By the morning, Christian's spirits had improved. Jenner informed them that the guest would be joining them, a majeer who had lent a great deal of help to the fight last night. Erica was full of questions, but Jenner explained that she could ask her herself once they set out. They finished breakfast together and packed up, saying their farewells and that they would try to meet up with Haviland and Ambrunsway when they made it to Balthwell. Christian and Haviland shook hands, while Erica ran up to Brunsway and gave him a big hug, though her hands could barely make it around his massive stomach. He just smiled and patted her as light as he could on the back. When they went outside, they saw Mal standing, tapping her foot by the carriage. I I think she wants to go, Christian hazarded a guess. I got that part, yes, Jenner said, smiling at the woman. He introduced Miss Sapphire and her servant, and she smiled and shook Christian's hand, giving Erica a hug. Then the three of them climbed into the carriage and set out. They passed through the gates, the new doors looking much like the old ones, just newer and with less wear. Posh was nowhere to be seen. Jenner hoped he was all right. He waved at the guards on duty as they rolled out, taking the pass north and setting out for Bothwell. Christian was still a little sleepy, but after an hour of traveling, he had resigned himself to the fate that he would have to do without. He believed he had met someone who liked to talk more than Erica or Melanie. Mal was full of stories. The more they listened, the less her heavy accent became a hindrance, as they picked up on her inflections. If they were not paying attention, a word or a phrase would elude them, but as long as they sat listening, little was lost. She talked to them about her childhood in Milan, leaving in her younger years to find her place in life. She had met, married, and buried two husbands in that time. The first killed by thieves as he was walking home from work late one night, and the other succumbing to some sort of internal body failure, as had been described to her by the physician. She had spent the last ten years wandering most of Ramza and Orin. She spoke little of her training to become a Majir, which she said she picked up on early in her childhood while still in Milan. It was getting towards sunset on the third day when Jenner told them Balthwell was in sight. Christian and Erica stuck their heads out of the window, looking ahead. Erica thought there could not have been a better time to arrive at the city. Bothwell was built on a large, raised tract of land, a glorified hill. The land had been worked so that tears rose from the base of the hill up. Then a few hundred yards of incline continued up until finally, at the peak, stood King Geddon's castle, ruler of Ramza. The sun was just passing behind the castle, casting its shadow over the road. Don't let the light fool you. We're still a bit away from reaching the city, but we should make it by nightfall, Jenner said as he guided the carriage along up the path. What is the ruler of Ramza like? Christian asked, looking at the silhouetted castle. Eh, King Geddon is an odd fellow, I guess. He became king when his father fell to an assassination. The assassin was none other than the king's own daughter, Gabrielle. Geddon became king and banished his sister to exile, or killed her. The reports vary. Jenner paused for a moment. Then, weeks later, his mother killed herself, grief-stricken over her husband's death. You do not sound convinced, Christian said well, my mother had been friends with the late queen when she lived in Bothwell, and she said that she wasn't the sort of woman who would kill herself, but the whole family is odd, and don't repeat this to anyone because they're also quite paranoid. Jenner explained well, the parents are dead, and the daughter's missing. who is left besides the new king? just the son but that's quite enough." "'Is there a queen?' asked Erica. "'In theory,' Jenner replied. "'In theory?' Christian asked. "'Well, getting married a commoner, his personal servant, in fact,' Jenner said. "'Really?' Erica asked. "'Yes, she was told, you know, very cheerful and outgoing girl, but During their courtship, she just became very withdrawn. Some said it was Geddon's overbearing, possessive personality, while others think that he paid a measure to ensorcel her mind. No one knows for sure. But whatever the cause, the more time they spent together, the more listless the girl seemed to become. Why would someone do that to someone that they cared about? Christian asked. Love can do strange things to people. If you believe the rumors, before she became the queen, she was uh, well known to many men in the castle. It's even suggested that she served at times as mistress to the previous king. Some men see wives as possessions, as things they can own and dictate. My guess, such was the case with Geddon. Do they have a child? Erika asked. Also, a much-pointed, heated discussion. The queen was said to have been with child when they were first married, almost five years ago. She showed signs, but no one's ever seen it. The child was never shown to the kingdom, no formal announcement was ever made. And to this day, people sometimes say they catch a glimpse of the queen standing out on her balcony, holding a bundle of blankets close to her body, rocking it gently. But if that was five years ago, Christian said. Exactly, pointed out Jenner. Maybe she's had more kids. Maybe it's nothing. No one really knows. If the king has any little ones running around the castle, no one speaks of them. That is strange, Christian said. There are those who feel the king is unworthy, but it's hard to overthrow a king and Geddon holds an unusually firm grip on his throne. Several assassination attempts have been made on Geddon, but none of them have come close, either being discovered before they could try, or the assassins were caught and killed during the attempt. Geddon has a network of spies all of his own. It is said that he courts assassins of his own to serve as infiltrators into the kingdom that seek out and destroy those who would ally against him. When Roland left the King's Guard, Geddon formed his own elite cadre of warriors, appointing a personal bodyguard, Skeltus Salk, as their commander. He kept them functional, even when Roland returned, saying he didn't see why both bodies couldn't coexist. And to all this, Geddon is a charmer and a speaker without rival. Men who staunchly opposed the king's mandates have gone into meetings and come out agreeing with the king's every word. So persuasive is he that some hired magiers to check if the king was using magic to alter people's minds, but nothing has ever come of it. And while kings never have difficulty finding female companions to join their bedside, King Geddon's womanizing is legendary, even for a king. But did he not... Marry the girl he wanted? Christian asked. The man sounds like a bad man to me, Erica added. Well, if you ask me, marriage is a horrible concept to begin with that serves no real purpose other than to make two people completely miserable. But it makes even less sense to royalty. Most nobles marry for political reasons. Is that why you're not married? Erica asked. Correct, Jenna replied. The idea of being miserable for the rest of my life doesn't suit me, so no, you'll never catch me next to some woman in a wedding dress exchanging vows for life. Being a king sounds complicated, Christian said. I think it could be romantic, Erica began, if it was a different king. Well, kings often live in different worlds than the rest of us. He wouldn't be the first king to sleep with a woman that wasn't his queen. But opinion has been sinking. Many say it's only a matter of time before revolt or worse happens. My father says that any king who does not put his nation to war is doing a good job, Christian said. True, no matter how good or bad a king's day-to-day dealings are, for the average person, it doesn't really matter. Geddon has neither raised taxes nor declared war, something no king before him has managed to do in the time Geddon has been on the throne. Jenner finished. Never drops his guard, not even for a second, Jenner thought to himself, listening to Christian talk about his father in the present, in case Mal was listening. Is the king a helpful man? Erica asked. How do you mean? "'Jenner said, turning to regard her "'with a curious look on his face. "'Oh, um, nothing, never mind,' she said, "'letting her question go. "'She wanted to ask if he would be sympathetic "'to their plight, "'but realized Mao would need to part ways with them first. "'Will he attend our shows?' Erica asked next, "'putting the focus back on their arrival as stage actors. "'Doubtful,' The lives of everyday people like you and me matter little to the king. I doubt he'd take an interest in anything we do, Jenner finished. Christian and Erica nodded, sticking their heads back inside the carriage, and went back to listening to Mal tell stories. Reports say that three of them are heading to Bothwell, your majesty, if they are not here already. The man speaking was Skeltus Salk, personal guard and inquisitor to King Geddon. He wore a suit of black dragon-scale armor—not the normal garb of the retinue, but armor he was quite fond of. He liked the way it accented his corded muscles and tanned skin, making his presence even more intimidating. His coarse black hair fell in a mess around his ears. Those who worked in Skelthus's presence said the most striking thing about him was that he had one blue eye and one gray eye, that made those who looked at him feel uneasy. The man he was speaking to was King Edom. His skin was pale white. His body seemed to reject the sunlight, no matter how much time he spent in it. His frame was lanky and thin. A short cropped crown of golden blonde hair adorned his head spiked up with a mixture of wax and honey. He had faded light blue eyes that showed his disinterest. He was sitting in his throne, one leg thrown over the arm of the chair, reclining, resting his chin on the knuckles of his hand. Do we trust the source? Geddon said, doing his best to pay attention, his eyes gazing on Arleska, who sat at her own throne a few feet away. "'staring off into space. "'She had dark auburn locks "'that cascaded down her shoulders like fire. "'Her teenage hourglass figure "'that was once the object of desire "'of every man in the court "'had only blossomed with age, "'turning to that of a voluptuous vixen. "'The baby in her arms wiggled a bit, "'but Arleska's grasp held firm. "'Colette sent it, sir,' "'She sent a missive using one of the majeure and foreign grants employ,' Skelter said. "'Did she find out any more information about them?' Geddon asked. "'The man's name is General Repulsed, apparently big in the theatre circuit. "'The boy's name is Christian Telpin, son of the late captain of the Watch of colmont "'and the girl is Erika Dubay, the sister.' Remind me never to collaborate with Forngrant again, His men are incompetent, Geddon said with a bored sigh. Yes, sir. Colette asked for her orders. Tell her to gather what information on the three she can, but not to dally. If I'm to find them in the city, I'll need her help to do it. Yes, sir, Skelta said hitting off a salute, and then leaving the throne room. "'Did you hear that, my child?' Geddon said, rising from his throne and walking over to Arleska. "'Your sister is coming for a visit. Would you like to see your sister again? You'd like that, wouldn't you?' Geddon leaned over and pulled a part of the blanket aside, looking at the baby girl coo and giggle as he played with her hair. Doesn't your daughter look happy, Arleska, Geddon said. Arleska had no response. Yes, Geddon thought. Yes, Arleska said, her lips forming the word. Look down and say yes, Geddon thought. Arleska looked down at her baby and said yes. Now play with her hair with one hand and coo at her, Geddon thought. Arleska did as commanded, but moved the hand cradling the baby. She lost her hold on the infant, who began to slip from her arms. Geddon reached down and caught the babe. Nurse! Geddon yelled, and Arleska's servants entered the room. Arleska has had enough excitement for one day. Could you see her to her room and attend to the baby? Geddon said. The head maid took the baby, bowing to the king, as two other girls helped Arleska to her feet, tugging on her a bit. Walk with them, and then lay down in your bed, Geddon thought, at which point Arleska moved with the maids, walking with them out of the room. Once they were alone, Geddon turned about and returned to his throne, closing his eyes. I told you, the voice in his head said. It doesn't matter. Once we find who they are, we'll banish them or imprison them. Either of those will suffice, Geddon responded. You should kill them, the voice said with agitation. No, not now. I have a reputation to uphold. I have not executed a single person in my kingdom. They have committed no crimes. I'm not about to kill innocents, Geddon said. The voice wanted to argue about all the babies his wife had killed, but it knew it would not matter. "'I told you, you should have gone yourself. It would have been easier. None of these mishaps from dealing with outsiders,' said the voice. "'I don't leave this castle without my wife. Do you understand?' "'Can't go a day without playing with your puppet, I know,' the voice said very well, but just make sure you take care of these people. If they come seeking the girl's sister, they will find it very interesting to know that many infants have disappeared from Bothwell over the years. Do not let them poke around too much, said the voice. I am aware, Geddon said. When Colette gets back in a few days, I will have her see to it. She knows who they are and what they look like. I am king. They can't hide from me. As you say, king, the voice said. It is as I say, Geddon spoke, rising up from his throne. Why do you keep her around? the voice asked. She's worthless. She can do nothing. She is a burden that should be discarded. No, Geddon said, starting the walk to his private room. "'But why not?' the voice asked, a mixture of frustration and annoyance. "'Because I love her,' Geddon said to himself. He closed his eyes and pushed the voice to the back of his head. It yielded, as it had in the past. But each time, the fight was harder, the voice more persistent. Hello, and thank you for listening to the World of Grey podcast. For any questions about the podcast or the books in general, email me at podcast at My two books, Fallen Throne and Dark Halo, are available for download on the Amazon Kindle Store for the low price of $3 apiece. I don't output a ton of updates, but when I do release one, you can find it on Facebook at josephporthos or on my website located at josephporthos.com. I hope you enjoyed today's chapter, and I look forward to you tuning in again next time. This is Joseph Porthos, signing off.